Barbecue's our passion, and that's just what you'll get where the Kim Burns is a barbecuer. Tales from the pits. Hey, Andrew, let's talk about our sponsor for this episode. Yes, really excited to bring on a new sponsor for the season, and that sponsor is none other than Zavala's Barbecue Distribution. And you know uh, what uh, Joe Zavala and team have done is they've went out and done something great for the barbecue community and great for the customers. They went out and collected sauces and rubs from all over, not just even Texas, but from all over, all of your favorite barbecue sauces and rubs available through Zavala's Barbecue Distribution. Yeah, it's really awesome. It's going to be a one-stop shop for any barbecue need you're going to have. And this is only going to grow from from where they've launched it. But just, just to name a few of where they've started at, you're talking about some of the best in Texas, top 50 joints that you're going to be able to get their rubs and sauces straight from Zavala's Barbecue Distribution. Truth Barbecue from Houston and Brenham. Pinkerton's, which is in Houston and San Antonio. Ooh, I wonder if he's going to have some of Pinkerton's award-winning competition rubs, too. That would be awesome. You know it. Snow's Barbecue, ever heard of them? Yeah, and you know that's not easy to get, but you can. it's easy to get at Zavala's Barbecue Distribution. That's right. They're bringing it right to your backyard. Barbecue Distro's mission is to share the flavors of Texas barbecue, partnering with the finest rubs and sauces from the top joints across the state. These joints provide the best seasonings in the world and are often not sold in retail stores. And hey, how can you get it? You can go in person or you can also go online. Yes, you've got the Zavala's Barbecue Speakeasy, which is located behind Moss Coffee Co. in Grand Prairie, Texas, or barbecuedistro.com forward slash tails. Yeah, that's right. You'll you'll find the link in our show notes for this episode, but go to bbqdistro.com slash tails, and that's going to give you the exclusive selection for the Texas Monthly Top 50 Joints of Rubs and Sauces. They even have some pickled items on there, too. Again, these are going to be restocked as they go. These items are selling out, and they're replenishing them, um, but it's a really exciting opportunity for the backyard cook that can get some of the best barbecue sauces and rubs in the business. And, you know, we got, we got to visit the site the other day, um, the actual storefront. It was really cool. We kind of browsed through all of the, the sauces and rubs out there. Um, just a huge variety, and they're they're all there. And like Andrew said, they'll kind of rotate through them as well, so it's kind of fun to go and see what they've got new. Yeah, so again, guys, go to bbqdistro.com slash tails, bbqdistro.com slash tails, and follow Zavala's Barbecue Distribution on Instagram for all the latest updates on available products tips and tricks and they're gonna be they're gonna have some really cool stuff that we can't talk about yet but we'll talk about soon hi welcome to another episode of tales from the pits this is brian and andrew and today we are out here in the heart of cowboys country san antonio texas with uh, elliot reese and elliot is with reese brothers barbecue uh here in san antonio uh, you guys kind of started in san antonio your your life and then kind of traveled throughout texas and now back here at home so We'll get from beginning to end, but let's start at the beginning. What are some of the, like, the early barbecue memories of you and your brother growing up eating barbecue? Yeah, so we've been uh, you know back and forth from San Antonio and Austin, so we've hit a lot of good spots. Um, I guess the passion kind of started when we were both in college. We went to school at UT in Austin. Um, I'd say growing up, it was always fun to sit out back and you know never offset like we're doing now, but a lot of grilling, like a grill lot of meats. meats. Yeah. Um, but the passion really started when we were both in college. We started working together at Law Barbecue in Austin. Um, that's kind of where it all started. Was it just, you know, random chance it was there? Or had you eaten anywhere else and decided kind of we want to work in barbecue? For me, random. Um, for my brother, he was applying to a bunch of jobs. I think he applied to, like, Style Switch and 
um, smoky Denmarks and ended up working a job that I don't think he really liked and uh, not at a barbecue spot, but then found the opportunity at La Barbecue they were hiring. Um, got that job. About two weeks later, I guess, he reached out and was like, hey, we need some extra hands. Like, I was still in school. He had graduated at this point. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I could use the extra money. And that's when we actually started working together there. Um, and so after that, we just realized that we really liked working and that we were on the trailer uh, just off Cesar Chavez and loved working in tight quarters, obviously, like, huge lines every day. Um, that's kind of how we fell in love with it was – so what was what was the career path plan before Law Barbecue started? Oh, what were you going uh, to be when you grew up? That's a tough there, question. Like, I'm a history major, so I don't think anybody really knows. But um, that being said, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And honestly, had I not gotten the job in a barbecue spot, I think my life would be a little bit different. Um, so I don't really have a good answer for that. I, I, I had a few options, but, you know. Well, and at, at La Barbecue, I mean, Leanne Miller and Allie, um, a lot of other people have come through there as well and kind of done their own thing. Um, when you were there, who, was, who else was there that's kind of moved on since as well? Yeah, so uh, when we were there, Dylan um, had just left. So it was Brendan in the pits. Uh, Frankie was also in the pits. He's still there. Um, and then Eli was also, I guess, helping out Brendan. Um, great group uh we didn't really ever cook there we were mostly cutting doing side prep stuff like that uh we would occasionally help brendan in the pits at night get you know season and get on but hadn't graduated to the brisket rotating portion of your career yet no from there you know um so that's austin that's ut how did you wind up at, at your next location yeah so i'd say about um three weeks after i graduated college we had the opportunity to go out to West Texas and uh, were put in contact through some mutual friends. Heard that they were opening up a new barbecue spot at the Gage Hotel. Um, we went out there for an interview. They put us on a direct heat pit to cook briskets for our interview. And they were like, all right, have these ready for your service the next wow. day. Um, and so I, I'm not going to lie, those briskets did not turn out well. I don't know why they <laughs> hired us, but uh, we fell in love with the area, um, fell in love with the idea that we could kind of learn as we went uh and we had a good knowledge about we you know we were doing pop-ups at that time just me and my brother before then um but really just fell in love with the area and still visit all the time but we made our decision that day the next day after service we were like we could do this and we were planning on about two years we ended up staying three um and that's kind of when the pandemic hit and we kind of had time to figure out what we wanted to do in the future from direct heat briskets to to cooking on the offsets that they we have and right yeah how did how did that progress and I, and I think Philip may have been kind of a, a guide there as well through that right absolutely yeah. um, Philip is still one of our, our best friends and mentors honestly like we all kind of um, I mean he's the sausage king everything we know about sausage is from that guy and we were all kind of figuring it out together um, when it came to briskets when it came to pork ribs uh, but he's a great guy to have on your side, and he, um, you know, really, uh, really helped us out. So, uh, for those that may not be familiar with Marathon, Texas, it's on the way to nowhere. Um, you, you will think and in between nowhere. And in between and nowhere. Is. And as you're driving there, you think you'll never get there. Um, this goes back to a story. Brian and I drove straight from Evie Mays to uh, to Brick Vault one day, and we were literally cursing in the car 
because we just felt like we were never getting there. And then you get there and it's like this beautiful oasis, this really nice restaurant and brewery and the food was great. Um, but yeah, it's, it had to be a really cool but challenging place to, to cook barbecue because obviously there's some, some differences in altitude there, differences in, in weather conditions. What have you kind of seen now that you've gotten to cook in some different climates? What was some of the challenges you faced in Marathon in terms of cooking? Um, you know, Marathon, for one, uh, we were able to source post oak, is, which is what we're cooking on here. Um, but the abundance of mesquite out there is like, you know, it's a lot easier to find. It's a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, as for climate, you know, the winters were sometimes a little more harsh. Uh, but that being said, like the, the dryness of like being out there um it's so like compared to san antonio where it's you know i'm sweating through every shirt that i wear uh other than this wind the wind yeah so the wind how does that affect the cook so the wind we had a they have a very nice pit room there um it's big it's all enclosed um so the elements you're kind of out of the elements per se it's screened in so like if it's cold you know your briskets might take a little longer to cook uh, the wind really didn't mess with us too bad. Um, but no, I remember like the first couple weeks there, we were splitting logs by hand, uh, like in the freezing cold. And that was, that's a good memory of mine. But, um, but honestly, yeah, I, in the middle of the summer when it's really hot, yeah, like sometimes you want to back off a little bit on the briskets. Sometimes they'll yeah. finish a little quicker than, than expected. But so after, after three years cooking, learning, really cutting your teeth in the barbecue world from a cooking standpoint, you know, it was it was time to move on. It was time for you guys to, to figure out what your, your next step would be. So how did that come about, or, or how did you decide, okay, this is what we're going to do, and this is where we're going to do it? Yeah, so um, I guess during the pandemic, like right at the beginning of the pandemic, we had some time to just kind of, while the brick vault was closed down, to uh, kind of take some time away. And we actually went out to Terralingua and stayed at the Willow House there for, for a while. And... Um, started playing around with the idea of having our own our own business one day and we didn't know when that was going to be um, both of our parents are from well live in san antonio now so it was always the goal to kind of get back to family um we thought san antonio's market was a little less saturated than austin's um just a little just, just a little bit and so we uh landed on san antonio played around i i remember we ordered 300 t-shirts with the one logo that we had sold them like via instagram um, but like really fell in love with the idea of one day operating and owning our own spot and calling it Reese Bros. That was always the, the name that we had decided on. From uh, as, you, as you wanted to start to open something in San Antonio, how did you put together a menu? Because, you know, we'll talk about a, a lot of the dishes here and the sides especially, but how did the menu start forming? Because you've got a very like San Antonio centric menu here. Yeah. So um, always our plan was to have salsas. Uh, you know, we still wanted a barbecue sauce, but we always wanted the salsas on the side. Kind of how we like to eat barbecue. So I would much rather have flour tortillas than white bread. And that's like an ode to 2M, to Valentina's. Like that's just kind of the style that we fell in love with for barbecue. Um, we like spicy things. So just about everything on our menu is spicy. But it's, it's come a long way. When we opened up doing pop-ups, we actually have the original menu framed in our kitchen, but um, the prices are way different. But the, <laughs> the food itself is crazy. We've got a really talented team. We um, have both of our chefs from the Culinary Institute here in San Antonio. Uh, we're lucky enough that they stuck out, <laughs> stuck it out with us through the pop-up situation. We were doing 
dishes in our front yard <laughs> at times. So oh, we've been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I found, actually found our first pop-up menu, but I will not be framing it because it's embarrassing. <laughs> it's, it's, when we did five different kinds of ribs. Yeah, it was really yeah. terrible. Yeah. yeah, we had a lot of bad ideas. Yeah. Still do. Yeah. We, we, we way overshot it, but, um, yeah, and, and we remember like your, the pop-up that we came here, it, you know, it was a more traditional menu. There wasn't a whole lot there. Um, was that before you brought the guys on or was that, that just kind before. of, a, okay. That was before. So I guess that was, um, Gabo, that was our first hire and Jorge, our head chef actually put us in contact with him. Um, and then he joined the team a couple of months later, but, uh, so it was very, very traditional. We were doing, you know, regular mac and cheese. We were doing potato salad coleslaw that we like still hadn't figured out how we how we wanted it um but that was really it because you know we didn't have a whole lot of power you saw the pop-up we were running out of basically what looked like a a garage so uh power was limited you know we had the sham and the and our pos system but that was like the only thing that we were able to you're actually way ahead of many pop-up people that we've seen with having the having the alto and having you know and having the the pos system but but yeah, I mean that's that's really what popovers are for. They're for cutting your teeth, figuring out what works, what doesn't work, exactly. What your crowd responds to, and you know, and then and what you like to cook and eat ultimately. Um, but it looks like as you, know, as you guys have, have grown, expanded your team, it seems like there's a real collaborative effort that goes on with the menu here. Uh, let's talk about what you know, what we ate today, and what we haven't eaten yet. Um, the uh, the different specials that you guys do. So tell us a little bit about what what people can expect when they come to Reese Brothers. What are some of the specials that rotate regularly? Here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so right now, which we'll have on the menu for the for a while, it's now actually on our fixed menu. But that's the uh, turkey torta, which we do uh, guajillo mayonnaise on one side of the bolillo, and then we refry our okra beans for the other side of it. We'll do a couple slices of turkey, about anywhere from a third, a little over a third of a pound. Um, and then fresh cabbage, uh, pickled onions, and we usually top it with a, a torriado, a jalapeno. Um, and then it pairs like great with our salsa naranja. That's been a huge hit. Um, that's kind of why we've been keeping it on the menu for, for the last couple of weeks. But other than that, we've had a lot of good feedback on the burgers. We do a very similar to the Leroy and Lewis burger. It's a half pound patty that's kind of seasoned like a brisket. We smoke it to rare and then finish it off on the plancha just to kind of crisp up the edges. Um, American cheese, we'll do a tostada that we'll fry in-house, and salsa verde. That sounds really good. Yes. Um, Meats, let's kind of stay on the meats there. Uh, Sausage, I mean, today we had the queso fundido, but... We we play around a lot with the sausage. Um, Well, yeah, that'll get you in trouble. Yeah. So the, the queso fundidos are house sausage. That's the one we have uh, every day of service. It's going to be a pork and beef blend, um, chorizo spices, so it kind of turns this red color, uh, like red grease when you cut it. It has Oaxaca cheese, serrano peppers, so you do get a little bit of heat, but also um, there's a good amount of cheese in it, too, to kind of balance it out. Yeah, there's a really good amount of cheese in that <laughs> yeah, sausage. Yeah, and if is. you're going to call it queso fundido, you have, right. you have, to, right. you have right. to deliver on the cheese, and it definitely does. You, you did mention... And, okra in the beans which is a very divisive ingredient for some people like it okra seems to be a love it or hate it thing for a lot of people they, actually they also have tomatoes in the beans they do but have tomatoes in the beans he's, he's, a, he's an anti-tomato guy but yeah I'm but let's, t- let's get back to the but okra yeah but, but yeah what, what went behind the decision of putting okra in the beans um so i wish i i had more of an answer for you that's actually jorge's re- uh, bean recipe um i think that it's basically a traditional borracho pinto bean um, with the okra, but the okra kind of adds not only the flavor, but almost like a stewy consistency. Um, 
those have been a huge hit. They, uh, I'd say the beans and the mac and cheese are our top sellers for sides. It's kind of the culinary, you know, culinary background that he has, I guess, is yeah, bringing that in. Yeah. It's over our heads. All the sides, <laughs> they, they help us out a lot with those. So. Yeah, I really enjoy it. I'm, we're, you know, we've been on record many times saying, like, we just don't order mac and cheese very often because oftentimes it's heavy, it's gooey, it's hard to hold when it's super gooey yeah. like that. And not to mention you're eating rich, fatty meats. So, like, having a really heavy and dense mac and cheese, it's just not something we order a lot. But this mac and cheese was, was different than, than what we're used to. Yeah. How, how did that come to be or what's, you know, what went into the invention of your unique mac and cheese? So, um, yeah, the mac and cheese and people are so uh, not turned away by it, but so interested by the color of it. Um, so we didn't want a traditional you know we didn't want to make bechamels every day to make a mac and cheese we kind of wanted it to be a sauce so we we're playing around with that idea so you could easily you know batch more when you needed to yeah um i'd say it's a take on like an espaghetti verde it's uh you know poblanos spinach for the color heavy cream um, cream cheese and uh it is by far our best seller for sides um, it does have a little kick to it sometimes there are a few peppers in it, uh, and you know whether the pepper's hot that they week. Can be it's, pretty cool, exactly, yeah. exactly. But um, no, we we fell in love with it. That was, I'd say, about two months after that we opened, we found that and instantly knew we were going to keep it on the menu. Yeah, it's, it's now the one thing that'll probably never ever leave the menu. It'll be there yeah. forever. Yeah. yeah. And we've yeah you know, we've seen multiple barbecue places where they have that that one or two things that if they ever tried to take off the menu there'd be you know a mutiny yeah you know an uprising i mean it's one thing to say we this is our fourth stop today and every place we've been has a very unique menu and thank goodness because as you mentioned about saturation there's this this you know it's it's just a so similar barbecue across texas and sometimes you might get a little twist on this or a little twist on that the menu here is is i mean it I didn't grow up in San Antonio, I grew up in Austin, but it feels like this is a very San Antonio centric menu, which is, which is really cool because again, you know, we were just down the road in Seguin and we were in Lexington and we were in, in Hallettsville and even coming from Houston, this menu doesn't exist anywhere we've been. No. Yeah. It, it's nice. And I think that's, I think that's a good way to get people because, you know, one thing San Antonio and we, we've beaten that drum for years, like San Antonio just didn't have the, the modern barbecue market. Right that Austin and Houston and even now Dallas Fort Worth has but it's hard to get people into fatty rich meats and things like that and I think having those familiar flavors to pair with it probably is a good gateway to get people more invested and and, and even in town I mean 2M very different menu I mean of course the meats are going to be the meats everywhere for the most part but you guys have your sausage they have their sausage Pinkerton's has his ribs Um, so it's it's good to see the variety because it it, it gets very, even though the food quality can be great across the board, it gets very boring at the same time. Yeah. And so it, it's great to it's great to have this menu. This is totally like fat kit problems that we yeah. have here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like that, that, oh, yeah. I wish I had more differences in my fatty yes. gluttonous meats that I well, could Well, eat. I did see they, they do have a cobbler for dessert here. Uh, oh, yes. We do. We yes. saved one for y'all as well. Oh, oh no. So, <laughs> okay. Well, we will, we will definitely have that. Uh, before we get to dessert, let's get to the, the odyssey of the tortillas. Yeah, um, because we, we've heard that it was quite the process to get from where you started to the final product. So uh, let us know a little bit about what happened. Yeah. So um, flour tortillas were just like, oh, I was, a, you know, as a kid walking up to the to the restaurants that were making flour tortillas in front of everybody. And I would always be like, can I please have one? Loved flour tortillas since I can remember. Um, 
I'll put just about anything in a flour tortilla. And so I was like, you know, fatty brisket, flour tortillas, sausage, whatever you have on barbecue, it's like hand in hand. So um, starting in West Texas at the Brick Vault, I was like, I really have the time and I want to learn how to do it. And so um, Joe Arriguez, who was the executive chef at the Gage Hotel, um, he's now at Blackboard Barbecue. Um, you know Blackboard. Yeah. Yeah, and they, 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 him and his wife, I think, yeah. took over Blackboard recently. Yeah, yeah Joe and Melissa. And they um, are doing, I mean, we haven't had the chance to go yet. We've been pretty busy here, but they, uh, the menu looks insane from, from the pictures I've seen. But uh, he came by and was like, yeah, sure, I'll like, give you the recipe. I'll help you out, um, even with the recipe. And the recipe hasn't changed. I still use the same one. It's all about feel. And so it took me months months to to kind of even get remotely close and at that time where i was you know rolling by hand uh cooking it on like a little non-stick pan um now we have like the the tortilla press and that helps out a lot when we're doing it every day but uh yeah the first tortilla that like actually you were rolling them out by hand we were rolling them out by hand and you know i'd do like a couple dozen for service uh just to kind of see how it went but um, I remember the first, I was doing a brisket cook, it, was, it had to have been like 4.30 a.m., and uh, I was making tortillas, and one, the first one I rolled and cooked, it actually was like malleable, like I could actually bend it and, you know, without it cracking in half, which was the result from the first seven months that I was trying to do it. Um, and so instantly I like drive home, I wake my brother up and I like toss him the tortilla and I was like, you've got to, you got to see this. That's a hell of a way to wake up. Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, but that was a big, uh, it was, yeah, a happy time. Um, and so ever since then, I've, we were trying to do the math the other day, but uh, I'd say here at Reese Bros, there's been anywhere between 30 and 50,000 tortillas made. Wow. Um, which, you know, we do a, yeah. a couple hundred per day. So, uh, and they sell out typically. And, and would you say, I mean, you kind of mentioned field. What, what's, you know, without giving away a specific secret you don't want to give away or not, what was kind of that, like, is it is it the feel? Like, yeah. now you know that. It's you, Joe, which yeah. I've, like, kind of learned is, uh, has to do with a lot with, ba- like, a lot with baking. So it's just, like, knowing when your dough is ready to be. Uh, it's like sausage as well. Too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's a. Uh, it's kind of a feel you're looking for, uh, a texture. Um, for tortillas, for instance, and I'm an open book, I'd, I'd be happy telling anybody this, but uh, you're looking for like a really smooth, elastic dough, especially after it rests. You want it to, you know, to be able to, to pull it across, like, you know. Is there any sort of like it. thumb test that goes in? I know like a lot of doughs, there's like a springy thumb uh, test. That not that, I mean, I'm sure that would help me out. <laughs> I, it's more of just an eye test for me, but uh, it, and I, I still don't think they're perfect. They come out different occasionally. Um, I think the flavor is the same, but like the actual consistency, the the texture, um, it varies. Yeah, but that's and, with any handmade product. Exactly. Yeah, you know, that's that's the nature of a handmade product. Is it, it's not ever going to come out the same. And and Brian and I have talked about this a lot over the last several months. Barbecue has gotten so consistent amongst you know the, the places that are doing really good barbecue that like you lose some of the character of the handmade product sometimes because yeah. everyone has perfected these methods of, okay, I pull my briskets at this, I let them rest for this long, you know? And so you get this wonderful product, but you lose some of the character that used to be in it. Absolutely. Yeah, but I think you can still get that with baked goods and doughs and things yeah, like that. Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, I don't want to have perfectly circular tortillas because <laughs> I want people to know that I made them in the morning. Like, I don't want people to think that we, you know, buy them from the store, but 
uh, I mean, it takes me forever, so it's... It's <laughs> kind of like the cook spots on the tortilla, they're random, and they're, you yeah. know, there's, yeah. there's all of that that's interesting to me. It's, it's a whole world I don't want to get into because... <laughs> I think I would I would never come out of that rabbit hole. But. Yeah, yeah. We we rolled and pressed tortillas once for a pop up, and that was that was enough. That one time we're like, yeah. We're and buns and yeah, we've done yeah, buns yeah, for pop ups. Yeah, yeah. We've done pretzel rolls for pop ups. We did a runs. Really it's it's an stuff. art though that we we now appreciate much more because we've tried it. Um, you know, Tom Micklewaite is is a baking artist. Um, and barbecues, so it's it's great to kind of see those things come together. Right, and of as course, well. Lane and Jalen at Goldie's right. and the, yeah. the amazing bread that they make, yeah. and and yeah, there's there's Michael Wyant. Oh yeah, oh, God, obviously yeah. Michael and his tortillas too, and of course you know, Miguel Valentino. Of course, yeah, yeah. Can, yes. can't can't not mention that we're right. having that for breakfast tomorrow. Yeah. So yeah. We're, yeah, we're excited. Um, but yeah, let's let's get into we've we've gone through sides, we've gone through meats. Let's go through desserts. So what's what's this cobbler? So desserts are the first like the one thing that uh, we don't really have a set dessert menu. We played around with a lot of them. Uh, we did kind of a seasonal creme brulee, and so those were easy to batch out, make a lot of. Uh, they last in the fridge, and you know we just hit it with some granulated sugar and, and torch it, and it goes out. We did a false spice one, which was a hit. Um, <laughs> And then, let that's me, pretty cool. There's not a lot of places doing creme brulee and barbecue. We, we still yeah. want to keep it interesting. That's I think the one thing that um, barbecue is just becoming more and more creative. I feel, and so we just sometimes try to, too creative. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, it can it can push the limits. There, there are exactly. limits. Yeah, 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 exactly. So we just wanted to you know kind of separate, keep a very traditional menu, but a twist on them to kind of make them unique and original. Um, but yeah, so for desserts, now we have the peach cobbler on the menu, which has been a hit. We've already upped production four times since two weekends ago when we started doing them. And you're, you're not far from peach country out here. Exactly. Um, so it's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a local type dish. Right. Um, anything, I mean, anything that goes in there else that you want to talk about other than the peaches? Oh, well, the empanadas we were also doing for a while. Oh, for the cobbler. Yeah. Um, I'm I still mean, thinking about the cobbler. The cobbler, it's just... <laughs> You just have to try. Like my favorite pieces of the cobbler are the corners. Like, yeah, I yeah love the little charred corners and the crusty ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I don't even care if there's filling in it. Like I just want the <laughs> I want the crust. Yeah. Um, but the empanadas, which Jorge Flores, uh, he's been running with those for a while. We had a, a pineapple one for dessert. We've also done a couple uh, for the menu. So we've done like a barbacoa one. We've done, but he makes the dough by hand. Um, you know folds i don't know if it's folding them or you know he does the entire process we fry them uh they're massive they're probably six seven inches long and they oh, have wow. to weigh, they have to weigh over half san antonio half. size <laughs> yeah they're awesome. san antonio size. Um, but those have been a huge hit it's just hard to keep up with production that you know takes a lot of time and we well, can only produce so many th- there's one selfish thing i'll ask if it's ever going to make an appearance on the menu in the spirit of san antonio will there ever be a barbecue puffy taco we have been talking about that. Um, nice. So we were working originally on a uh, a Choco Taco, and I don't know if y'all have been to Suerte in Austin, but it's probably my favorite dessert of all time. Um, so we were like kind of messing around with a take on that, especially no. after you know the Choco Taco got got discontinued. Got discontinued. Yeah. Um, but we were making flour tortillas. I was using cocoa powder and a lot of sugar, and uh, kind of trying to make this chocolate tortilla uh and then we made homemade ice cream in house we yeah. topped it with uh some nuts and dipped it in like a you know a chocolate sauce basically um but those were also we couldn't perfect it yet so it'll it'll be on the menu soon but we need to, some time to figure it out still 
That's great to see the innovation there. Um, anything else on the menu before we kind of get to the, the location and the building? The boudin is also just something that we really like eating. And so basically if it's on the menu, one of us in-house is like obsessed with it. So uh, the boudin, you know, we use the, uh, we use pork shoulder and then we also have like smoked brisket within the boudin. So it's a brisket boudin. Um, it is spicy because we like spice. Um, but other than that, very traditional, very traditional Cajun boudin. Um, yeah, we're a big fan. I mean, we're, we're from Houston. So yeah, you know, Houston, Houston and East Texas and obviously in Louisiana is, is your boudin country. And they're actually, did you see they're building a best stop in Katy? I did. Yeah, I can't yeah, wait for that. Yeah. We, we digress. Yes, anyway, yes. <laughs> <laughs> let, let's get to, let's get to this space and, and how you found the space and what you're doing with it now. Yeah. And you know, I, I joked at the beginning of this, but not really like we're, we're in like Dallas Cowboy fan central, but, but for some reason, San Antonio has adopted the Cowboys as their, 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 their fan, their, their team. Well, but, no, no one's perfect. So. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> Neither are the Cowboys. Um, we're, we're just in the, the, we're literally like in the shadow of the Alamo dome here in this location. So it was a really interesting place to be just around from where all these events are. Um, tell us about this space itself, kind of the, the area and, and why here? Yeah. Um, so the space, definitely the Alamo Dome piqued our interest instantly. You know, we were loving the idea of foot traffic for events. Um, that being said, I was just, we weren't really looking for a location at the time. We were, uh, just had the food truck built. We were kind of trying to figure out what the next move was, um, looking for spots and whatnot. And so I was just on LoopNet looking for, you know, I do that sometimes, just browse properties and saw this. And I was like, how have I never seen this? And so we came and like checked it out. It was a restaurant about eight years ago. Looks totally different than it does now. Um, there was a lot of indoor dining. We were like, you know, the weather in Texas, people can deal with the heat. So let's make it all outdoors. Um, so, but covered in most of the but places. But covered, yeah, yeah covered yeah. mostly. And now we have heaters, thankfully. Um, we have misters during the during the summer. But um, originally, just found it found it online. Uh, figured that we could try to make it work. And once we started construction on it, we put the food truck out front, um, just so just so people could kind of get familiar with the area, um, with our food, and. It's been a project ever since, but we love the area. That I will say that the Alamo Dome definitely hasn't given us as much foot traffic as we expected. A lot of people come down here to park, but it's usually right before they're trying to head to the event. So a few people will stop in, have beers. It's a lot cheaper to drink here than the Alamo Dome. So <laughs> um, we do get a, a few people, but uh, we also lose most of our parking for, for right now. We're trying to figure out a solution, but both of our parking lots in the back and in the front are... Uh, pay to park during Alamo event days so it's kind of hit or miss we lose a lot of our uh, like our normal following but gain a few people from from just being in the area well and we'll, we'll talk about kind of what's coming and what's next which may actually help build that that audience I, I just want to mention kind of too like the, the layout here to try to explain it verbally is just really cool you've got just different sections that kind of each have a different feel groups could get together i mean there's there's a sec there's two different sections of outdoor picnic tables there's two different sections of covered patio um, and you have a bar here and you have a food truck that's coming so and and the bar is open even when the food is sold out for the barbecue so kind of talk about your 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 afternoon and evening hours and that that plan as you go yeah so um as of now we have been 
just uh, traditional barbecue hours from, you know, 11 until we sell out, typically around 3 o'clock. Uh, we realized that we could use this space a lot more efficiently, and we're kind of missing out on a lot of business just because, you know, it, we we knew the property was big, but we've kind of opened all of this up. Where we're sitting actually was the parking lot, and so we, you know, kind of made it more into an event space. Um, eventually, we want to be open at least Thursday night through Saturday night for the food truck, which is uh, the menus being curated right now. Um, also by Jorge Flores, who's very talented, but it'll be somewhat of a Mexican seafood truck. What I've heard from the menu, and he won't he won't share everything with me yet, but um, a lot of tostadas, a lot of ceviches. Um, he made some fried shrimp tacos the other day that might have been my best bite of the year and just like threw it together. So we have a lot of trust in him. Uh, we think that that's going to be able to allow us to, you know, have live music more, um, keep the bar open. We're applying for our actual liquor license. So we want to have a margarita machine. We want to have, you know, cocktails. Uh, so that's the goal. We want to turn it more into an event space during the night hours and then keep our very, not limited, but uh, short live barbecue service going. Yeah, so it's it's going to be a really as as this place continues to evolve, it's going to be a really cool place for if you're a barbecue lover, you've got your barbecue hours. But there's there's so much more that you can have here. Obviously, Jorge's creativity is going to you know going to shine even more on the truck. Yeah, but we're we're excited to see how this grows. I mean, you guys are already doing some really creative, really fun stuff here. But uh, but I think the future is going to be really exciting. You know, we're we're looking forward to it. You've given us many more reasons to come back to San Antonio than we previously had. Um, and and it's not a knock against 2M whatsoever. 2M's been a shining star. Absolutely. And and Pinkerton's great. It's just now there's three instead of two, yeah. and so that yeah. like the you know you don't want there to be 200, but but you know you want there to be enough to kind of make a, a now you can do a San Antonio only right. trip. Oh, and San and Antonio Curry locals is here now too. Curry Rose, yeah. yeah, so it's it's a growing scene. It's it, it's growing at a, a slower pace than than Austin did, and that, which that, is good, and that Houston did. Yeah, but actually, yeah. but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And you guys have been a great addition to it. No, and I think competition's great for for that kind of thing. So. So for people, you know, there's a lot of people that maybe haven't come down here yet, especially from the Austin area. It's just right around the corner. Um, of course, if you're in San Antonio, sure, I know about it. But um, where are you located and what are your barbecue hours here? Yeah, so uh, we're located two blocks south of the Alamo Dome on the corner of Virginia and Huffkin. The address is 906 uh, Huffkin. And it's right off of when 281 turns into 37. If you're heading south, we're right off the highway on the left. It was easy to get it get here for yeah, us. Right? Yeah, it was super and most easy. people don't see it from the highway. We still need some more signage, uh, but a lot of people come and are like, "I had no idea this is right here," which is cool. Um, we like to to hear how people found us, and usually it's from word of mouth, which is which is really cool. It's it's cool to see good feedback and have people tell about it. So yeah, and social media wise, you're at Reese Bros BBQ. We're at Reese Bros BBQ on Instagram. Uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, we are not very active on Facebook. I don't I don't know how to work Facebook, unfortunately. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. Yeah, um, or TikTok. Then, yeah, <laughs> we're not. I you know I'm on my personal TikTok, but they won't let me do anything for Reese Bros. So. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, we'll 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 definitely be back out here. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how this place continues to grow as this barbecue scene continues to grow out here. So, thank you again, and we will talk with you next time.